Cubs fans at Stewart's Cubs Cave Parties. Everybody's in for giving back to those in need. We're going to Club 400. Club 400. We're going to Club 400. Club 400. We're going to Club 400 Radio. All right. William, another great Cub fan today on our show. It's our second one we uh, brought out. Of course, Carol Haddon was a... a couple weeks ago. I want to introduce everyone to, he's a definitely a famous Cub fan. You may have seen him. You may have seen pictures of him on the internet. Uh, he is known by, by the Bleacher Preacher. Uh, I want to introduce Cl- uh, Club 400 Nation, uh, Jerry Pritikin. Jerry, how you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Such an honor to have you on the show today. Um, I've known you for a very long time, and I would like to tell Club 400 Radio, who you are, you know, maybe start off on how you became a Cub fan and how you became the Bleacher Preacher. Well, that's uh, simple. Uh, I happen to be 81, but back in 1945, and most people know that 45 was the year the Cubs won a pennant, but back in 1945, uh, I came home from summer camp, and my father gave me a crash course in what I call Baseball 101 and Cubs history and then took me to my first game at beautiful Wrigley Field. And to get to the Wrigley Field, we had to take two uh, big streetcars to get there. And uh, the impression that left on me evidently worked from that moment on. And uh, that was, of course, during the summer. And I started going to a few games. And about a, about a month after my father uh, took me to the first game, the Cubs clinched the pennant. And I asked my dad, would he take me to the World Series? Well, he said I, he thought that I was too young at eight years old, but he made me a promise. He promised he would take me the next time. Mm. Wow. <laughs> and, and like I said, I waited until I was in my late 70s <laughs> to finally cash in on that, but the money he left me could never have bought a ticket. <laughs> oh, that's, that's too bad. But you did get to see a World Series. So. I did get to see one game uh, in the World Series. That's great. And you got to actually go to the World Series game. What was it, Game 3 you went to, I believe? I, I went to the uh, 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 one playoff game and one World Series okay. game. And the funny thing about that World Series game, that's the game where Cleveland beat us one to nothing. There was like a 40-mile-an-hour wind blowing out. And I thought I was going to be seeing a, a really great scoring game. <laughs> And it only wound up one to nothing with the wind blowing out. <laughs> so uh, I, I, of course, was glad to make it to the World Series, but I wished we could have reversed that one to nothing in our favor. Yeah. So how, let, tell us how you became uh, the Bleacher Preacher. How, how did you come up with that? And um, obviously, it was a great idea. A lot of the Bleacher bums that have been out there for many, many years know of you. You, you made your impact. Uh, but how did that whole situation come out where uh, you became the Bleacher Preacher? Well, it's, it's very strange. Uh, I lived in San Francisco for 25 years. And even when I lived in San Francisco, whenever the Cubs came to town, I always managed to make it to their series. But the funniest thing was uh, I, I actually played uh, 12-inch softball. And uh, I'm a good, great pitcher. In fact, I can throw a knuckleball. Anyway, uh, I came home once after. It was really a hot day and I pitched two ends of a game. 
And I came home, and I let, let's put it this way. I'm a leftover from Haight-Ashbury. I smoked one of those things and turned on the TV set. <laughs> and I was channel switching, and all of a sudden in front of me, there seems to be a little, uh, like a miniature Wrigley Field set. And what I didn't know at the time was that was the beginning of the stage play Bleacher Bumps on the PBS station. And I'm by myself, and I, they used to advertise themselves as not a, a, a three-act play but a nine-inning comedy. And I found myself clapping and cheering the play as I'm watching this game. And at the end of it, that should have been the end of it. But what happened was the very next day, <laughs> I laughed to myself, I uh, happened to see a newspaper ad in, the, in this uh, San Francisco newspaper. They were looking for actors for a play called Bleacher Bumps. And I called the producer up and I said, I'm not an actor, but I am a, 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 a crazy cub nut. And I think I can help you in some capacity. And I wound up being hired for their public, uh, public relations. It was supposed to be a six-week run. It ran for a year and a half. And what happened was <laughs> the Bill Veck and me came out. Uh, we were originally in a very small theater, 99-seat theater. But just as we were opening, there was a baseball strike that year. And all of a sudden, there was no... Uh, sports report uh, on the newspapers, on the radio and whatnot, and I called up the, uh, the TV stations and Tony Coniglio came out one day uh, uh, and they did their uh, newscast from our set uh, I did a promotion with the, with the flagship station of, of the Giants and uh, it's amazing thing about San Francisco there are a tremendous amount of Cup fans out there and uh, that play had to move to a 350-seat theater, and I wound up putting my memorabilia and acquiring some more, and I made the lobby look like Wrigley Field West. And I could always, and I even got four uniforms from the uh, Andy Frayne for our for our uh, ushers, and uh, the play like I say, lasted for a year and a half. And that's where I was beginning to get known from the media. But the ironic thing is, originally I called myself the Bleacher Creature. And it wasn't until uh, about 1980, beginning of 1984, which was after the play ended, uh, a Tiger fan happened to uh, see me and was talking to me and said, are you aware in... in uh, Tiger Stadium, there is a whole section called the Bleacher Creatures, and I wasn't, and I felt bad. So I went home, uh, did that thing again, and and started trying to figure out a name, and I came up with Bleacher Preacher, and that was the best thing I ever did. But the funny thing is that by watching that one TV show, it changed my life for 25 years. Wow. But the fact is I always was a Cub fan, and uh, one other quick story you'll get a kick out of. In 1947, uh, my father heard that I was sneaking into the bars to watch t uh, the Cubs on TV. And at that time, the only television sets were located in bars. Uh, he went out and spent $450, and that was a lot of money in those days, to buy this TV set 
so I would stop going to the bar. <laughs> That's classic. And then I began, I actually watched, and then the following year, uh, uh, Jack Grichow's go on the air with WGN. Uh, they were not the first station to, to uh, uh, hold the Cub games. Uh, WBKB was uh, the first. And I, uh, when I was involved with the play Bleacher Bums, towards the end of the run, I read that Jack Brickhouse was going to be making his last trip to San Francisco. And I went out and contacted the Giants, and I said, are you doing anything for uh, Jack Brickhouse on his last trip? And they asked why. <laughs> and I said, are you aware that when the Cubs play the Giants, there are as many Cub hats out in the ballpark as there are Giant hats? And they said, what, do I, what did I have in mind? And I came up with a Hey Hey Award for Jack Brickhouse from, from the uh, play Bleacher Bums mm-hmm. and handled the mic in front of 16,000 people between games and gave not only Jack the first Hey Hey, but at that time, Hank Sauer was batting bat, uh, coach for the Giants, and I remember the first Hey Hey Jack ever did, and it happened to be a Hank Sauer homer, and I made the Giants feel happy because I also gave a Hey Hey to Hank Sauer, and both Jack and, and uh, Hank really appreciated that fact <laughs> that a fan was giving him a, an award rather than an organization or something like that. That's cool. So you moved to back to Wrigley, Chicago, basically in what 1985. Uh, I came back for the last month of the 1984 season. Okay, which was but a remarkable just, season. <laughs> you'll get a kick out of this. In 1984, the Cubs opened in San Francisco, and I contacted their PR guy because I was doing some PR for a, a restaurant on Pier 39, and asked him if he could bring some. Uh, Cub players, and he said, ask me how many. I said, how many can you bring? Well, he wound up bringing three Cub players with him after the first game. Uh, one was uh, Gary uh, uh, Woods, Gary Woods, Larry Boa, and the other one, I used to, I can have conversations with myself sometimes. I remember looking at the third ball player and saying to myself, this is a ball player, and that was Ron Sandberg. Oh, mm-hmm. really, yeah. So to start off the season uh, with the Cubs opening up, and, of course, they, they won their first game. And, of course, uh, getting involved with, uh, uh, and meeting uh, uh, Sandberg and Larry Boa. And I was just, uh, from that first game on, saying, maybe this might be the year. Hmm. And as it turned out, and, of course, Sandberg had those two homers off of Suter, and uh, it looked like they were going that way. Yeah, what? There, there was also an all-star game in San Francisco that year. And I came up with a sign that said, how do you spell believe? And it was C-U-B-S, of course. That got picked up during the all-star game. And as it turned out, uh, when uh, uh, Stone, what Stone's for? Uh, Steve Stone? Yeah, uh, Steve Stone was, uh, I think, doing the NBC Game of the Week. And, he was, uh, and I got to the ballpark, just, of course, candlestick early. And I had just made that uh, into some uh, uh, brass luggage tags with that saying on it. And he was getting ready to go on the air. And I said, hey. And I handed him one. And he opened up the show saying, how do you spell believe? <laughs> and uh, that got, got, got me going. Your, your signs, you, you made a lot of famous signs. I know. My, I, I was doing, I was doing uh, PR for a sports store in San Francisco. 
And instead of having giant stuff in the window, all year long I had cub stuff in the window. <laughs> and and uh, Harry Kayer came to the ballpark. I uh, came to the ballpark. Came to the uh, store. Uh, Dallas Green came to the store. And uh, you know when they looked like they're going all the way, I decided to spend the last month of the season in Chicago. And no one could have hit more homers than I did that that September, because I I brought along my voodoo doll. <laughs> And and uh, uh, the first day I wound up on uh, Frank Matthews, uh, what do you call it, uh, TV segment on the front page of the uh, Chicago Sun-Times and on an AP wire service photo. So if, if you can imagine, <laughs> I was beginning to get well-known. Of course, some of the regulars there were saying, who is this guy? But they didn't realize I did have roots. There was no question about it. My brother and I used to clean up the ballpark after a game to get a free ticket to the next game from 1946 on to at least 1950, and we were able to see 20 to 30 games a year that way. Mm. So I really, awesome. uh, if you cut my veins, it definitely is a, a cubby blue. Tell us about your hat. I thought your hat was pretty famous. You know, Where is that hat? Do you have that hat still? The, the, with my beanie on it? Yeah, with, yeah. yeah I, uh, uh, back then, it was a, um, a, a solar battery pitch helmet and yes i do have it in fact one of my hats has a solid gold propeller on it really so uh and that i'm i got i think two of those and i'm debating on where they're going to wind up uh i'm hoping for the possibility of the smithsonian yeah that's awesome and then you had a routine too right you tried to transfer uh you know transform the other opponents uh fans to cup fans that was your whole stick right a, a fun time uh, I used to love to convert uh, non-believers, and I had a ritual. And I doubt if there anybody listening to you right now is is nothing but a Cup fan. But if they were another team, I would say put your hand on the radio right now or TV or whatever, and say after me, in the name of the Father Bill Beck Senior and the Son Bill Beck Junior and the Holy Soul of Charlie Grimm, and I would say, Holy cow, you're now a Cub fan. And give him a conversion. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of those. Uh, I'm, I'm lost for words for a change. Uh, a pen. A, a, a citation. That, uh, oh, that citation. showed that they yeah. did convert. Nice. Hey, what was the? You've probably seen everything. What was the most unusual game you've you've ever been to, or moment at a game that well, you've had? There was one here again when I was involved with uh, the play Bleacher Bums. I, uh, and I, I did it w- uh, with a couple of uh, productions, but it was, I believe, in 86. I may be wrong on that, but uh, I was took the actors out to, sh- uh, to Candlestick to show them <laughs> what was happening and how it, and as it turned out, I yelled out uh, as, the, as the Cubs were uh, on the field and the Giants were up at bat and there was two men and on it, and nobody out, and I started to say, hey, hey, what do you say? We need a triple play. Hey, hey. And believe it or not, there was a triple play. Lynch was involved with it. I can't remember the name of the other guys at the time. But uh, everybody in the stands near me who heard me say, look at it and say, what are you, uh, uh, how did you know that? <laughs> but the truth of the matter is I, I, I said it many times before, but this was the first time it ever really ever happened. How about uh, you? Were you in attendance for the first night game? Oh God, yes. The, 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 the beauty of that was, like I mentioned before, that uh, I, I had uh, 
there used to be a, a Mazda dealer in Chicago who advertised a home run away from Wrigley. And I called him up and said, hey, uh, for the first night game, why don't you sponsor me? And at first they turned me down, and then I said, do yourself a favor. And sure enough, for that first night game, and, and as it turned out for the second game too, I charged him $1,000 for the first night game and $500 uh, just in case there might be rain. And sure enough, that's what happened. But the fact of the matter is that $1,500 bought me almost five to six years worth of bleach receipts. Today, that won't get you a weekend with the Cardinals. <laughs> that's true. Uh, tell us about your, I, I, which I, I always love Harry Carey stories. So tell us about your moment in the day with Harry wait, Carey. Wait, wait, I didn't hear that. Uh, tell us about your uh, story of the day, really, you met Harry Carey and he, out in the bleachers. Oh, that was, uh, well, I had met Harry in, in San Francisco a couple of times. In fact, I, I was doing publicity for a company called Bubby's Kosher Pickles, and I sent him up a bottle uh, up before the game, during the game, and of course I was at Candlestick and didn't see this, but uh, people told me afterwards, <laughs> he opened up the jar off camera and started eating these pickles. And he started making these sounds like he was in the bedroom with somebody. <laughs> and, and Arnie Harris put a banner headline underneath the uh, on the screen that was rolling, and, and it says, "Attention! There is nothing wrong with the sound on your television. That's Harry Carey falling in love with p uh, kosher pickles." <laughs> That's classic. But uh, the, 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 of course, we know the first game didn't happen. But I had a great sign for that night. Uh, long day's journey into night. Yeah. I, I wound up, would you believe it, I also <laughs> wound up on uh, Nightline. Really? Wow. Yeah, and, and uh, the funny thing about there, there was a guy named, uh, oh, Judd, I can't think of his last name, for uh, who was on Nightline, but he was also a Chicagoan, and he had just read the book called Bleachers. It was uh, 1987, came uh, 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 Lonnie Wheeler wrote a book, about just the fans, in it. and I happened to be on about 40 pages, mm. and I pointed them to many people for the other pages. And uh, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I just couldn't... I, people used to accuse me being able to smell a TV camera from 100 yards away. That's not true. It's 50. <laughs> That's great. I'm looking at a picture right now with you in the bleachers, with Harry Carey. You got your shirt on how do you, how do you spell belief, C-U-B-S. And he's pointing, uh, this looks like, to the home plate. And how that happened? You were on TV with Harry, weren't you, for right, a game? Right, right. Uh, in the seventh inning, he saw me in the background and called me over. And I hadn't met him before. He says, I want you on the t tenth inning show. So I d decided, yeah, <laughs> of course, I'll be on your tenth. What I, when I sat down, I d had no idea what he was going to say or what kind of questions he but he opened up the program by saying, uh, "I was I, for my guest today is John Q. Public, the fan." And then he introduced me, and and if you can imagine, uh, I, I have a lot of things to be proud about, but that was one of the best. And uh, he told me before you. We went on. He says, "Say whatever you want to say. If you don't want, if you're not not happy with somebody, uh, just let it hang out." And at the time, uh, Ron uh, Say was in a slump, 
and my sign said, "Say when." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And and uh, he he uh, he held it up and so forth. <laughs> but Ron's face saw me the next day at the ballpark and looked at me. And said, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I I've had nothing but fun. Uh, the visiting teams can be unbelievable at the same time. Uh, I'm sure you're uh, familiar with uh, remember uh, uh, Roger McDowell. Yes. He used to he used to sprinkle the uh, the fans when it was extremely hot with the hose. I gave him the Gunga Din Award. One time, uh, oh, in fact, how I met him, he looked up to me. He says, "I saw you on CNN yesterday." Oh wow! <laughs> so he he was in one particular game where uh, uh, the next day they had a traveling game, his team did, but the Cubs were playing, and he stayed behind and sat with us in the bleachers. Oh. So I, it, 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 I'm, I'm condensing this and trying to use yeah. my 81-year-old memory on the things, but believe me, uh, it would be nonstop from the next 24 hours for me to try to tell you the things I've witnessed or the things I've done. Uh, I just... Uh, the best thing that ever happened to me, like I said, was uh, seeing that play Bleacher Bums on the air. It really brought the Bill Vec out in me. And I, I was able to create awards. I came up with the Conversion Award, the, the Throwback Award. I used to, uh, you know, when fans would throw back a ball, they had nothing to show for it. So I created an award, but not only put their name on it, the inning, and the name of the player. Who really? Did. I didn't know that. That's cool. So it, it was nonstop. Unfortunately, it, 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 uh, I want to say uh, I wasn't too happy with the years with the, uh, with the, uh, with the uh, Tribune because they promised a lot of, uh, they promised us a new tradition, and they forgot to tell us it came at an expense of many traditions, but that was nothing compared to what's happened out at Wrigley. I couldn't even do my thing at Wrigley anymore. That back fence, you remember, if you've been in, you've been in the bleachers. Right doesn't exist anymore you can't walk around the back and that was where some of the best action in the ballpark was going and and, and of course the betters were always around and and uh, it, it's gone uh, and i'm i'm just disappointed because not only because i can't afford to go to a game anymore but it's it's really sad that uh, so many things have disappeared and yet they're selling hey i don't blame them they're selling out uh, but the, the new fans, and I'm, from, and I'm sure you're familiar with all these Cub pages that have popped up, and it seems like these car, uh, Cub fans want to complain on every pitch. Uh, you know, I, I said uh, for 50 years before I got to see my World Series, right. and they got one in their first year trying. Yeah, it's definitely different from, you know, we, we spoke about that. with You know, you know Carol Haddon, she was on our show earlier, uh, and it's just baseball's totally changed the atmosphere. You know, it's, it's you gotta have money to go to a baseball game, and that's what's sad nowadays. It's hard to get the family out there. And back, you know, what you said, you you got in for free. You just helped clean up the day before, right? And you got a ticket. That's that's right. unbelievable. Nowadays, that's absurd. They would never. That would no, never happen. Well, you want to know what happened? We used to one person would pick up the seat, the the seat portion, and someone would sweep with a broom into a, a burlap bag the the paper cups and whatever. But some genius uh, figured out, hey, if we put a spring in the seat, when you stand up, it will pop up by itself, and there goes all the kids' uh, free passes. Mm. Uh, tell us about. Uh, I thought I think it's pretty awesome. I'm sure uh, you, 
you were very honored by it, but in 2014, you were honored with a special award. Can you tell us about that? Uh, it was, it's called the Hilda Award. In fact, uh, uh, the organist for the White Sox uh, got it uh, this year. Or not that particular award, but from the baseball reliquary. And uh, they had heard about me and, and uh, inv- invited me to get the award. And the funniest thing that happened, I was so fortunate, I brought some of my signs with me. The guy who introduced me, said everything I had planned to say. They originally said, I'll give you eight minutes to say it. He said everything that I had planned to say. And I was fortunate enough to have these signs, and I told the stories behind the signs. And luckily, like I say, uh, I brought them with. And uh, it was a great honor. Uh, It's uh, it's on my mantle right now, and and, uh, it's not that it... Every fan deserves something for for being a fan. Uh, I I don't think it's automatic. They earn being a fan by being either for something or against something at the time, but at least let people know what's on your mind. And that's what's been my way of doing things. I always express it, I guess, best in some of my signage. Yeah, you've always had great signs, and you always seem to be at the right place at the right time. I mean, that's how I, I, I noticed you through T. I remember that interview with Harry Carey. You know, I remember that. And I was like, oh, there's, there's the b- biggest Cub fan ever right there. And, uh, uh, here again, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I'm not stumbling that much. But there's something about uh, when talking about the Cubs, it comes out naturally. Uh, of course, I'm a little disappointed because, uh, you know, when I was a kid, and here goes one more quirky thing. Uh, when WBKB was the first station to come on, WGN then came on. Are you aware in 1949 there were three TV stations broadcasting the Cub game? No. Mm-mm. Yeah, uh, Roger Hornsby and uh, the Fordham Flash, uh, uh, why can't I think of his name? Frankie Frisch uh, was the announcer on Channel 7. But like I said, my dad bought a TV at that time, so those times I didn't go to the ballpark. I used to ditch school so I can watch the Cubs. And uh, I, I, it's, just, uh, it's just been part of my life. And here again, I'm here and uh, I'm 81 years old. But, uh, you know, I've been fortunate because I've seen all these editions of the Cubs. I can tell you that probably uh, my favorite players over time was from the beginning was uh, Andy Pafko. Then that was followed by uh, uh, Hank Sauer and Banks. But... Do you know who was my favorite Cub of all time? No. I, you should, because you had him as a guest uh, at your place. This Andre Dawson. Oh, the Hawk, yeah. And and, yeah. and the amazing thing is I once wound up in sports. I'm name-dropping now. I, I wound up in Sports Illustrated, and, and I had moved from left field. I was always in left field to right field the year he came to the Cubs because he was that great. And the guy from Sports uh, Illustrated says, what do you think of uh, of uh, Dawson? And I, this came out the first time, was the first time I even heard it, but I've used it since. And, and I would say, you know, everybody says uh, Andre is awesome because it rhymes with Dawson. But even if his name was Schwartz, he'd still be awesome. <laughs> and he was. I mean, I've never seen any, any ball player give more of his energy. I mean, he... he, he, he 
was amazing. And I, and I saw every single game that he played as a Cub. And I remember the games when he played for the Expos and killed us. But uh, he, he, I was a uh, chaplain in his army. Well, we only got a half-hour show, and we're going to have to let you go. But give us, give us the listeners three Cub commandments. I know you have ten, but give us three Cub commandments, and we'll end the show like that. Well, we appreciate that, you having that, you on. That, I've changed them every so often. Okay. But one, the, 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 fir, the first one is, "Thou shall, uh, uh, I am the fan of the Cubs. I shall no, not root for any other team before thee. Uh, honor uh, the Trinity." of tinkers to ever the chance. And the most important one of all is thou shall not start or participate in the wave or you will be excommunicated. <laughs> That's great. I did see one in which I have broke, and I must apologize, but one was thou say, stay sober in the bleachers. I apologize, but I broke that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks a lot for coming, having us having you on. It was an honor and a pleasure, and one day we, we, we want to get you out to Club 400. I think that you are uh, one of the true Cub fans, you know, that are well, out there these days. I'm, and you're I'm part proud of that. And I just got so one quick thing. Yeah. The reason I'm a Cub nut is my father was a Cub nut and actually used to pick up pop bottles and beer bottles in the uh, uh, 1908 year. And he got to see Tinker's the Evers the Chance. He, when he gave me a crash course in baseball history, it was not from the books. It was from his memory. And... Uh, I, like I say, cut my veins open, and thanks to my dad, uh, it's it's uh, got cubby blue all the time. It's fantastic. Thanks, Jerry. Thank we you appreciate so much. it. I thank you very much. All right. Ciao. Bye.